Welcome to Lax Historical Context. I'm Sean. I'm Sasha. And uh, today we're going to provide some historical context for something that is fictional. Yay! <laughs> something fictional and something disappointing. I, you know, again, I wasn't as disappointed as most, but I wasn't really that invested. You were like two months. I was only two months invested and I was promised parties that I never got. You got one party. I got one party. I feel like I was promised one every week for every episode. That's, that's I got, on... I got one party. <laughs> that's on Bowen. It is on Bowen. Boo, Bowen. If he even listens over in China or I wherever I know, he, he probably is. doesn't. Well, one, we're probably not legal in China. I mean, there's no way we're getting through that firewall. No, anyway, I, we can't even get through our own firewalls. In case you uh, you guys don't know us or haven't figured out the thing we haven't hinted at really at all, Today we are discussing some historical events that inspired moments on Game of Thrones. Bum, bum, Game of Thrones. HBO's incredibly disappointingly ended Again, Game of Thrones. Again, I really wasn't also, that disappointed. Anybody, everybody would have been disappointed. Also, I did receive a no special request not to state spoilers because a couple of people that listen to us that I am friends with have not seen the end oh, yet. Well, I, I, again, okay. I don't think it's disappointing. I think any everybody would have been disappointed no matter how it ended. Is my theory. Why? Just because people were so invested in the show. But if it had ended better. I don't think people would have been happy. You can't please everybody. No. So you might as well please no one. It's not that it's disappointing because of what happened. It's disappointing because of how shitty it got to that end. Well, yeah, I, I agree that the season felt rushed. Oh, not just rushed, bad, actively bad. Well, I think it was bad because it was rushed. Like, a bunch of those episodes should have been like half a season. They rushing things didn't, to me, like explain their completely forgetting character development. But I mean, we've all written papers where we get to the end and we're like, fuck this shit. I can't handle this topic anymore. <laughs> we weren't being paid millions and millions yeah, of dollars we to write a paper. But can you imagine if we were, we would still <laughs> blow it off because you know what? Human nature. We're just like, God damn it. No more. You are, you are not here to listen to us rant about the ending of game of Thrones. Unless you are, then you should go to our other podcast, which doesn't exist. Sean <laughs> um, inside. Sasha review movies uh-huh. and TV. No, so in uh, in in inspiration for for the ending of Game of Thrones and our discussion, we're yes. having some of this. You all have probably seen it everywhere. There's like thirty bottles everywhere I go. They're of always that? stacked. Don't yeah. don't peel it. I haven't put it in the freezer yet. Punk. It's like supposed the, to like so turn color. Today we are drinking. Uh, White Walker by Johnny Walker. Uh-huh. This, it's a limited edition blended scotch whiskey. Uh, if you don't know Johnny Walker, you're probably weird. It's one of the more ubiquitous. Yeah, I don't know why you're listening to a yeah. podcast that, where we talk about booze and you don't know about Johnny Walker. So I'm going to read this extensive blurb on the back. All right, go for it. I apologize in advance. Uh, White Walker by Johnny Walker. Once forgotten and reduced to ancient legend... White walkers have emerged from the frozen north, bringing with them the chill of winter and the promise of terror and destruction. For about one episode. To (laughs) all who stand in their path, which makes me think the ending of Game of Thrones stood in their path. Uh Um, With their tall blades of ice capable of slicing through iron and their silent icy blue gaze, they are a chilling sight. 
when you see the undead coming, you know winter is here. Have you ever thought that like White Walkers just don't speak English, and so they're just like they probably didn't, and that's why they don't talk, but they have like a great social life, like. I mean, you know, they kill a lot. That's probably or they, they like mind communicate with one another. <laughs> They're hilarious. White Walker by Johnny Walker is a blended scotch whiskey inspired by these chill inducing walkers. At the heart of the blend are single malts from Cardhu and Clinelish. Don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. I don't think we care. <laughs> one of Scotland's most northern distilleries. This whiskey is chill filtered to 1.5 degrees What's Celsius. Chill filtered. I don't know. Just a really cool dude. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> some it's some Scottish dude named Chad. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, best served cold directly from the freezer, featuring notes of caramelized sugar and vanilla, fresh red berries with a touch of orchard fruit. This whiskey develops in complexity as it warms to room temperature. Cool. I didn't keep it in the freezer. Um, yeah, this is a room temperature. Yeah. You're robbing me of some of the experience. I of don't this. really care. Um, I we're kind of stealing this from John, uh, the failed poodle wrangler. Um, and I think. Uh, oh, big shout out to Ben the Tech Guy for earning earning his, uh, his nickname. Tech Guy, today. yes. And the, uh, uh, yeah, we was having technical issues, and mainly it was my fault. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm surprised. I've had this before, so um, I like it. Um, I like some of so for those of Game, Game of Thrones fans out there, you'll know that they also had a whiskey collection for every house had a different whiskey. Yeah, all the major houses. Yeah, yeah. and so we had the Stark blend, which was delicious. Yeah, that um, Stark Scotch. Yeah, and then we went. God, that was good. A local bar had all of them, all the houses, and so we tried them, but uh, they were okay. I didn't like Just a okay? lot of them. Yeah, some of them were kind of gross. Actually, did you did you have a particular favorite that you remember? Um, I liked Night's Watch, even though it's not a house, but it was one of the things that like had their own thing. I can remember that I'm pretty sure I didn't like House Lannister because I think they were really peaty, but I really don't remember now. They they seem. It seems like the Targaryens should be the peaty ones. Get a really smoky flavor on the people whose sigil is an animal that breathes fire. Well, I, I maybe they were, and I felt like, yeah, I just I should have taken notes. Either way, uh, this is not a bad beverage at all. Mm -hmm. If you're no. if you're a fan of a good, uh, they're like probably on clearance now because everybody's so pissed at Game of Thrones. You can probably seriously, get it for cheap. Probably get a couple of them for one of them's probably a good keepsake. Uh huh. Probably sell it for lots of money in the future. If you think so. So, uh, first, you should tell us what is the Game of Thrones event that that your historical event inspired. So, uh, my historical event inspired the Battle of Bla Battle of Blackwater Bay. Okay. So, if you're not familiar with the series, uh, whatever. Uh, basically, it's when the one group of people attacked King's Landing, which is the main. The capital. Uh, the capital of the Seven Kingdoms. Um, Stanos Barathodunk, first of his name, attacked them. <laughs> that is that is her dog. <laughs> and that is not what happened. <laughs> Stanos Barathodunk, first of his name, attacked King's Landing because he wanted to be the king of the Seven Kingdoms. Yes. Because like his brother was a king and his brother was killed by a boar. You, you know, Winky face. you're probably getting caught up in details. 
Yeah. Describe the battle. He sailed into the bay around yeah, the city with a navy. Yeah, he sailed into the with a huge navy. Yeah. And I think they, he must have had ground troops too. Oh yeah, they were transporting his troops. Yeah. And then uh, somebody in King's Landing, I think it was Tyrion. Yeah. Said throw the dragon fire at them. Wildfire. Wildfire. Whatever. I, I'm here as a nerd fact checker today. Uh. Yeah, whatever, nerd. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he blew up some ships. The thing about wildfire is it can't be put out by water. Inspired by Greek fire. Uh-huh, which, spoilers <laughs> for my story. Um, and uh, that's that's what this one, this little thing that I'm going to talk about inspired that battle. Okay, that. okay. And it also has one of my favorite characters really coming into his own. Okay. Davos. Yeah. I'm Team Davos. He should have been. He, he, he didn't got really it. come into his own. He stood on a boat and then got launched into the air. Yeah, but then he also, his son died. So I think that really like brought out his I gotta <laughs> save an orphan vibe. And he didn't mention his son again for like four years. Yeah, but he would always <laughs> longingly look at kids. Mm. Yeah, all of a sudden oh. you realize Davos might not be so cool, huh? <laughs> no, he's pretty cool. He looked at kids in a fatherly way, not uh, in a pedophile way. Discuss your event. All right, so the event that inspired the Battle of Blackwater Bay was the Second Siege of Constantinople, or Byzantium, depending on how bougie you want to be. I or, don't know. Or if you're the band, they might be giants. Uh, you could do both. Was Instan- uh, was Istanbul? Istanbul Con- wait, they wait, never they never say Byzantium in that Constantinople song. now. It's Istanbul. Constantinople nope, nope. now. It's we're gonna, Istanbul. We're going to get striked for copyright. <laughs> I was, I was, it was only a couple seconds and we were discussing uh, it in a critical term. So I know, but I'm not, I'm not calling it Istanbul. Fair use. It's Constantinople. At the time, it was Constantinople. Yes, or Byz- it might have been Byzantium at the time. That was the name of the the area. Yeah, yeah, but whatever. Okay, so uh, this was so the whole siege was basically more or less a religious war. It was a bunch of uh, Muslim tribes under one leader fighting against the Christian West, uh, more or less. Basically, I'll go into it more. I am already prefacing this, prefacing this, by saying... (laughs) You're off to a fantastic start. By saying the source I got is horribly conservative and not a friend of a Muslim people. I got it from the National Review. But the article is very, like, very factual. It was the Siege of Byzantium. Um... I thought it was a fine article. And also my other source is Encyclopedia Encyclopedia Britannica. Which are very broad. Very broad. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Those things are very. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) One paragraph description of an event and that's all you get. Yeah. And so that's why, like, I used it for a specific part. But you'll see what. Okay, so this was a war of religion. The Islamic State felt that Constantinople was the last uh, holdout of Christianity in the area. (laughs) <laughs> Boy, were they wrong. Uh, <laughs> what year was this? Uh, 617. No, 717. Yeah, they were very wrong. Yeah. And so as long as Constantinople stood, the cross uh, stood, the cross would defy the crest. Uh, basically, why the beef? Well, in 628, Muhammad, that Muhammad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Fancy Muhammad, founder of a religion. Uh, you may have heard of it. Yeah. 
it's called Islam, um, <laughs> sent a message to the Byzantine emperor. Uh, we're going to call him Hercules uh, to become is uh, to become Islamic and convert to his religion and live in peace. But Hercules was like, eh, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. We're Christian now. And then so uh, that put a target on the Byzantium's back. Mohammed said the city must fall. In yeah. 630, Mohammed participated in the Battle of Tabuk, which kind of kicked off the Muslim Byzantium Wars or the Umad Empire and Byzantium Empire Wars. Mm. In 66, in 660, it's just so low. <laughs> We're not, I'm not used to saying numbers so low when talking about history. 660, the Sunni, Sunni Shia split occurred moving the seat of power in Islam from Medina to Damascus, which is actually closer to Constantinople, it making it an even bigger threat to their religion and society. Yep. Um, so they didn't like that. You know. <laughs> Our enemies are closer. Oh, no. Yeah. And so in 674 through 78, the Islamic nations decided it was time to attack Byzantium again. Uh, partially they say because it helped to like settle in fighting because, you know, you can't fight one another when you're fighting a common enemy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a common thing. Yeah. That I noticed in my history studies. Yeah. Was that if you give someone, politicians like to do it. If you give someone an external enemy. Yeah. It tends to take. Really? We should have started World shit. War One during the Civil War. And then we would have. <laughs> I mean. Pick a fight with a whole country. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. Hey, can we still have our slaves? Yeah, we need them yeah, to fight. Yeah, we need them to fight. We got this. It would have been oof. a different world. I don't support slavery. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> um, so they basically brought a siege to Byzantium. Um, the siege lasted four years, but they were unable to breach the walls of Constantinople. The city was serious fucking business. Yeah, that city had walls for days. I mean, it was the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire. Yeah. They didn't fuck around when they built its no. defenses. And the other thing was uh, Muslim people are mainly nomadic, and that means land dwelling. And so Constantinople is surrounded by a bay, from what I understand. It is. You pass it on a straight, and then it has two bays on either side. Yeah, and so they only really had one way of getting to Constantinople if they're not to, wanting to participate in a sea battle, which they weren't at the time. No. Eventually, they were like, let's do this shit. <laughs> um, Spoiler. <laughs> so in 715, Suleiman, the leader of the Islamic forces, decided to gather his forces and give it another go. Another old college try. That's what you do, right? Yeah. First you don't succeed, you try, try again. Uh-huh. Um, and at the time in Byzantium, uh, there were some like minor fights between the two groups, but nothing too uh, major. There was also a slight unstableness in Byzantium because there was a change of emperors within that time period. Mm -hmm. um, so emperor at the time of the siege was Leo the Arab. I'm just going to call him Leo. That is, that's a very to the point name. Because the Leo Arab the part Arab. seems a little racist. But his name, Leo the Arab. No. Why do you call I'm him not... that? Because he's Leo and he's Arab. Arab. He was born, I guess he was born in an Arab country. So, I'm, you know. I'm, I mean, I'm Sean the Atheist. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's that's how I will go down in history. Okay. I'm going to sure. change our profile to Sasha and Sean the Atheist. 
Well, I want a name. Sasha the Mexican. Well, that seems racist. <laughs> Arab. Can Leo I, the can Arab. I just, uh, can I just be the Central American? Because isn't <laughs> Mexico technically Central America? I'm not sure. I think no, it might... it's because it's still North America. Yeah, it is still North America. Can it be Sasha the North American? Sure. Cool. Technically true. I'll take it. <laughs> I don't see anyone else claiming it yet. <laughs> well, we'll see. Let's trademark that shit. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Leo had seen the Byzantium troops early on in their, not the Byzantium troops, the Islamic or Umad troops. Is that how you say it? Umayyad? Umayyad troops. So he saw them. <laughs> I was wondering what you were talking about. I was like, when is she going to say the Umayyads? Like, who are Umayyads. the Umayyads? <laughs> so uh, he actually faced them before he became emperor. So he kind of like knew their knew their deal. He knew their shit. So he was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to leave our ports open to their attack because uh, fuck these guys. <laughs> and uh, we're just going to kind of like hold up and be all cute inside our fortress because it's a fucking fortress yeah and nobody can't him. really breach these walls and we'll be fine and everybody's like yeah that sounds like a good plan yeah um so the land force was at a hundred and twenty thousand people um and That's it marched a massive army yeah and it marched on the city on august 15th uh but they quickly decided just to not even try taking down the city and they just decided to form a blockade yeah. On September 1st, Masalam Navy uh, arrived. Masalam's the person who is in charge of the Umayyad. Umad. The Umayyads. Umayyad forces. <laughs> um, and he arrives with 1,800 ships. and 1,800? 1,800 ships. God damn, that's epic. And 80, which included 80,000 extra men within the ships. And you thought the Spanish in, uh, the Spanish Armada was I know. badass. And I almost said Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects <laughs> the, the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Except the ones that did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the ships were heavy and hard to navigate because, again, the Umayyad didn't really have like a lot of experience shipbuilding, ship navigating. They really didn't know what you needed. Yeah. Um, but on the side of... The Byzantium was Greek, the Greeks, who were a great seafaring people. They were. They knew how to, like, uh, break it down. It being ships. Yeah. Um, So, Emperor Leo said, no guards on these bays. Just let everybody come on in. We got some shit. And this (laughs) is where Game of Thrones comes into play because Emperor Leo had Greek fire. Yep. Um, so Greek fire, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, and Sean, <laughs> five yeah, minutes and Sean, ago. five minutes ago, was a petroleum-based mixture invented between 668 and 685 by a Greek-speaking Jewish refugee. So suck it, yeah. bringing all the religions in, guys. Oh yeah, Kalinicus of Helopios. This substance. Uh, would spontaneously catch on fire and not be able to be put out by water. Mm-hmm. Greek ships would basically launch this substance out of tubes. Yeah, it was looked like like little like almost like a squirt gun. Yeah, just yeah. And like a the recipe cannon. for this has been lost through time. Which like how we've we've we have an idea. Like we know it was petroleum based, and we've yeah. been able to like 
recreated in limited form. There's there's a lot of theories that the historical descriptions of it are sort of exaggerated because I don't they've know. never been able to like 1800 ships, dude. Yeah, no no no, no like that <laughs> but like as far as the description of Greek fire. Yeah. Yeah, they're like that must have been a little exaggerated cuz like we've got it pretty much down, but it doesn't behave completely like the Yeah, so they do. might have had some stabilizing things that we're yeah. not aware of. We do know burned when it was uh, burned when it was wet. Uh uh-huh. and water did not put it out. So what happened was all the Islamic troops boats were in the harbor and then the people, the Greeks that were helping the Byzantine Empire just lit them up. Yep. And everybody died yeah. more or less um in the harbor, but there's still a blockade going on bet- on land which really, you know, didn't matter because they could still get stuff by sea. Yeah. It was a pain in the ass, but they could still do it. Um, So they went, some of the troops went back to their main area, back to the Umad em, uh, Emperor Suleiman. Suleiman? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should have switched the topics. Yeah. <laughs> who, uh, who had mysteriously died of indigestion. Wink, wink, wink. Dude farted himself to death. I mean, this is what he ate, according to this article. He ate two baskets of eggs and figs, some bone marrow, and some sugar. That doesn't seem like a lot to me. It doesn't sound like a healthy diet either. No, but I feel like I eat more at the casino buffet, and I don't die of indigestion. I picture him literally just like like a basket being like a giant basket, and uh. then him just like picking up spoonfuls of sugar. <laughs> I mean, I just, I feel like I've eaten more at a buffet and I haven't died. <laughs> that dude's so, heart just collapsed. <laughs> I'm just saying that he was probably murdered. So the new <laughs> emperor of the, say it again. Umayyad. Umayyad Empire. <laughs> uh, I don't even have your notes. This yeah, is great. <laughs> this basically gave zero fucks about the people on the, that were doing the blockade. It's the thing about emperors. They don't care about well, their people. And it, it helped that the leader of that army was Masalam, who was uh, Solomon's soul. I mean. Suleiman. So, there's no O. Can see it? Suleiman. Where is it? It's what the one with the S. No, no, no. Where on your page? Suleiman. Yeah. Suleiman. I can't read your handwriting. Yeah, much less see, that's what I was going to say. Anyway, <laughs> the leader of the troops that were doing the blockade on Constantinople was the su- the brother of the now dead emperor. Okay. And so... Even, brother of Captain Indigestion? Yeah, brother of Captain Indigestion. So, like, the new emperor <laughs> really had no reason to give any fucks. Yeah. You know, other than the fact there was 120,000 yeah. of his people. Yeah. But he was like, whatever, fuck you guys. Uh... And there was a really brutal winter. A lot of them died. I hear they turned to cannibalism as well. Um, by the summer, when he finally, well, when like spring came, when he finally descended, decided to send backups um, and bring the troops back, only 30,000 of the troops made it back to yeah. home. Because, yeah. Because uh, 
they did not do well. Yeah. And so that's the... It's like the textbook of how not to siege a fortress. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, you need, to sur- you need to supply your troops with goods. Supply your troops, uh-huh. understand your enemy and their capability. Well, the, the other thing, brother of Captain Indigestion was, was told, his instructions were, don't come back until you've taken the city or there was some other thing. And he was like, I never got word that I wasn't supposed to come back, so I just stayed here. It's like, dude, <laughs> like when your people are starving, maybe go maybe. back. Maybe, yeah. I just, it's, a, you, it's if, a hunch. If you have the authority to give the orders, mm-hmm. you should care. Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, that was a brutal uh, siege. Yeah, I mean, they kicked ass by doing absolutely nothing. Which that's, I feel like is kind of what happened in Game of Thrones. That's the entire purpose of a siege, though. Yeah. We're going to get behind our walls. We're going to put the entire onus on you. And you're just, and provided you had good enough defenses, yeah. that was it. That was it. It and would they take had, time to sort it out, they but there was no chance. They had great walls that stood for hmm. so long. Like, yeah. I don't understand. It's like invading Russia. It's like one of those things where, like, why are you sieging them again? It didn't yeah. work the first time. Do you have something new? You don't. Yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> For those curious, the Ottoman Empire mm-hmm. in 1453, 700 years plus Great later, furniture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, uh, they were the ones that were finally able to take Constantinople, but they did it when they had 700 years to degrade as an empire. Yeah. By the and time I they mean, took it, the empire was literally the, the land around the castle. And it was one of those things where like, you know, it's mason work. Of course, over the years, it's going to degrade as yeah. well as a wall would. That did. And with the, the schisms of the empire yeah. and the schisms It wasn't much of an empire anymore. Yeah. It was still an impressive fortress, but it hadn't been kept up with modern technology, mm-hmm. I don't feel like. And if you I don't have the backing of like people like the Greeks to help you out yeah. and where it was more of a all Christ- Christian-dumb against all of Islam. It's it's yeah. a different sort of war. And that's why today it's called Istanbul. Not Constantinople. <laughs> Not Constantinople. It's Istanbul. Uh, well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so my event is uh, from Game of Thrones is The Red Wedding. Which, uh, yeah. I, that's a, it's a spoiler if you've never seen the show. Yeah, I'm actually going to, I'm going to get through this with as few spoilers as possible. If you honestly started listening and heard us mention that we wouldn't talk about the ending, but then heard Sasha begin to describe the Battle of Blackwater Bay, that's on you if you're listening this far and get this yeah. spoiled, especially after I've said this. But I need to start off with an apology to my mother. Has she not seen the episode? No, she has. She, uh, when I was in school, uh, it was her copy of the books that I read. Uh, and I've told you this before, how Rob Stark on the show was my favorite character. Yes. And the Starks are all murdered at the Red Wedding. And when it happened, I threw the book across the room <laughs> and it laid on the floor for a week because I was so angry. That was my mom's copy. I don't know if she knows that I treated her book like that. I mean, was it a paperback or hard copy? It was paperback, but I fucking... that's fine. But I fucking... That's fine. It's fine. I hurled that thing, though. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, Mom, that book, that was why it was so messed up when you got it back. It's nice that you returned it. Well, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so my... There are two events, actually, that inspired the Red Wedding, um, because... George R. R. Martin is thorough, 
I guess. I'm sure. Okay. Both of these events happened in Scotland, though, although they they happened a couple hundred years apart. Weird, completely side question. R. R. Martin. He's American, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pretty sure. I feel like he is. Yeah. I mean, he's large like an American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he if has that penis like an American. We, uh, we claim him. We if can he give isn't. him a card if he needs it. I don't. So uh, I'll go chronologically for these. The first event is known as the Black Dinner. Well, that's not a wedding. Cue thunder and lightning. Uh, so also seems racist, but okay. There were <laughs> yeah. So there were there were two uh, clans known as Douglas at the time. That just seems confusing. Right. Well, one was referred to as Black Douglas and the other was called the Red Douglas. Was um, it Black Douglas because one of them was black? Or No, no, no. One of them, uh, uh, I looked back into it. Um, it was to differentiate basically the two families of nobility, basically. But apparently being associated with the color black was like an association of heroics. Oh, and one okay. of them had fought in the Scottish Wars of Independence, like along William Wallace. Oh, okay. So he guys. was cool. So he was called the Black Douglas. Well, the, what does indicate. red indicate then? Uh, I don't know. I think that they were called red not because they had like dishonored themselves or anything, but it was uh, like a, a prominent color. Were they all gingers? Maybe they're Scots, but uh, they they the Red Douglas were the ones that ruled Angus in Scotland. So Angus, there's that. But anyway, so anyway, so this this relates to the Black Douglas clan. They were a noble clan of Scotland, but they had a shit ton of power outside of Scotland. And I mean, holy fuck. How? Marriages? I'm going to go with marriages. Marriages, property owning, winning mm. wars, all that stuff. Kicking ass, taking um, names. They they owned lands and titles in both France and Sweden. Mm -hmm. And they've since lost it in France. They're still there in Scotland. But to this day, the Swedish descendants of them are one of the most prominent noble families in Sweden. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Let's like, marry some. Like 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 I like I was reading I was like holy shit. So they they had fucking power. They were strong. But like did they spell their name different when they were in like that I don't area? Know, I couldn't find out. Like with an umlaut and like <laughs> <laughs> Black Douglas. Um so by the 15th century, a whole bunch of other Scottish nobles mm -hmm. were kind of scared that they had so much power outside of the nation. So over they, their shit. Yeah. They were like, <laughs> these guys might be bad for Scotland because now they have so much power abroad. They might not. How is that bad keep... for Scotland? You got yeah. power abroad. You can like expand the Scottish well, Empire. This was like, there was no Scottish Empire. There's a Scottish Empire, I believe They were in. constantly <laughs> fighting England. Nobles were fighting every other noble. Like... Long live the Scottish <laughs> Empire. <laughs> in 1440, a young fella named William he was the Earl of Douglas. Uh -huh. He was the head of this people. He was only 16 years old. Oh, that seems like a bad leader right there. Right? Did they vote on that one? <laughs> Actually, no, no. He was fine. He was invited by one Sir William Crichton, the Chancellor uh -huh. of Scotland, uh, to dine with James II, the King of Scotland. Oh, that's cool. That's chill. James II was 10 years old. <laughs> okay, less chill. Were they going to play tiddlywinks afterwards? What was going on there? I don't know. I don't know. Probably going to do spin the bottle. Yeah. The, the oh, you got to kiss your daughter, your sister. <laughs> Seven minutes in the lowlands. Uh -huh. like, so they feasted, they drank, they were merry because, you know, 16-year-old. 16-year-old and a 10-year-old go to party, you yeah. know. When one is the king and the other is one of the most powerful lords in Europe, fuck yeah, they're, they're getting drink. shit faced. So they were, they were all having a good time until, according to surviving legends, mm. Q Thunder and Lightning, 
uh, a drum began to be beat. Just doo, doo. And a serving tray was placed before William Douglas. Uh Uh-huh. When opened, it revealed a black bull's head. Cool. cool. This this was a symbol of death, apparently. Oh, okay. And then William and his younger brother were dragged outside... Uh, charged with and found guilty of treason in a Not mock cool, trial. Not cool, bro. They're right? 16 and his younger brother was, what, like 10? Probably, yeah. And then they were immediately decapitated. Well, that's a bit extreme. Right. Um, but justice was <laughs> swift back in the day. What can I say? Yeah, especially since the charges were totally yeah. false. Um, so Clan Douglas, needless to say, did not take this particularly what? well. <laughs> I know, right? So they laid siege to Edinburgh Castle. Although William Crichton was like, oh, I may have fucked up and eventually well, made peace with everything. Really, William Crichton just brought other William Douglas to babysit the king. Um, <laughs> wasn't and, satisfied. Yeah, he, wasn't so satisfied because he didn't give the king the ice cream he wanted. Right. So <laughs> now when you look back on this, obviously the king was in on this. He was 10. <laughs> How in on it could you be as a 10 year old? Hey, kid, I think these guys want your throne. What's that, William Crichton? <laughs> okay, then, William yeah. Crichton. So a 10-year-old, though, does not understand the political nuance of power. No, he's 10. And the need to break up a great family. Unless it's some Doogie Hauser shit. So <laughs> the idea of who is responsible for orchestrating this. It's William Crichton. Well, see, apparently it's been lost to history. We don't know who it's was responsible. It's not the 10-year-old. Right? <laughs> but we know like, he must have been in on it. He must have known because otherwise he would have probably had somebody killed for it. Because think about this. He was 10. The life expectancy then, though, was 30. But he was 10. He's <laughs> not go, Doogie Hauser. If I go back in time to medieval Scotland, I am like the most ancient, wisest human they've ever seen. And you can do that, but this 10-year-old is a little shit. Um, His mom probably did it. So one of the sources I read cons- very conspicuously mentioned that William Crichton became a lord after this whole thing. Oh, that's so convenient. When I hear, we don't know who was responsible, my first reaction was, oh, fuck off. Like, seriously, do we not know who yeah, was like, responsible? Yeah, like, oh, wink, wink, we don't know who right. did it. So the second one, uh, the second event is called The Massacre of Glencoe. That sounds like a horrible company to work for. Right. I work at Glencoe. <laughs> right. What do you guys make? Guns. <laughs> but still not as bad as Cutco <laughs> and their pyramid scheming bullshit. All right. Oh, ouch. So, Glencoe. The Massacre of Glencoe. This requires uh, a little bit of background first. In 1688, there was a thing in England known as the Glorious Revolution. I'm familiar with this, yes. Yes. William of Orange, for those that, that don't know, which is Orange... Chicken. Is... <laughs> Now I want Panda Express. <laughs> um, Orange is or was a place in southern France. I don't know if it's still there. Um, but through William of Orange's wife, he was also in the English royal line. Mm-hmm. He was also a Dutch noble, so fuck this guy. Like, just well, hogging all the titles. No, no, all them nobles are, like, banging one another all over the place. There was no more banging one another. He was all of them. <laughs> yeah, and he banged himself every night. <laughs> He probably, like, his wife was probably, like, his sister. I don't know. Yeah, second cousin, three times removed, but also his sister. Citation needed. Um, Anyway, so William of Orange overthrew. Now, this is going to be infuriating. I just said James II, King of Scotland. Yes. William overthrew James II, King of England. Two different people. Who was James VII of Scotland. God damn it. (laughs) So he was great, great. 
great 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 grandson of of ten year old ten year old black dinner guy yeah yeah who got so anyway, it on so William of Orange overthrew King James the second of England mm-hmm. now it's called the Glorious Revolution because this was actually mostly bloodless mm-hmm. there were a couple minor battles so it wasn't actually bloodless but it saw the creation of the English Bill of Rights. And it prevented England from becoming like an absolute monarchy. Yes. So in history, this is a considered a huge. It's, it's a thing. win. It's, it's a, a win for the people. Big it's win. A big win for the people. Uh huh. Um, now, enter Clan Macdonald of Glencoe. They, they weren't happy about this. They no <laughs> no actually they were more or less fine with it. They had sworn loyalty to James the Second. Uh huh. So they were like. Maybe we're not happy with that part, but they were all the way up in the Scottish Highlands. Yeah, so they're like, yeah, they're not going to mess with us. They're they're pretty far far away. away. William uh, of Orange has his agents. Basically, he sends it all to to the nobles of the British Isles. Yeah. And he says, hey, by January 1st, 1692, Mm -hmm. which at this point is about a year away, I need you to renounce your loyalty to James II and swear it to me. And that's it. And that seems it. fairly it's reasonable. Peak, right? James II yeah. fucked off. He was like... He oh, was, he didn't die in this revolution? He was revolution. a coward. He bailed. He fled. Oh, well, fuck that guy. Yeah, he fled to Ireland. Oh. He was like, I'm out. Later, so, bitches. Clan uh, MacDonald's biggest rivals, this is where it gets interesting, was one of William's secretary of, of state. Clan Burger King? Yes. <laughs> Clan Wendy's. Oh, uh, okay. Um, because they, all, they both have apostrophes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... They one of William's secretaries was like, "These guys over here, I'm gonna fuck with these guys." Yeah, um, that so, always goes so well when somebody's like, "I'm gonna fuck with some people." Right, and and Clan Macdonald was also very honorable. They were like the Ned Starks of Game of okay. Thrones. They were like, "Look, we're not refusing to swear oil loyalty to you." Yeah, but James II is alive. And we have sworn loyalty to him. So as long as so, he's still alive, we're not going to give in to It you. wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was, we will let him know your offer. Mm-hmm. And if he gives us the okay, if he's as cowardly as you say, he'll do it. I mean, he seems pretty cowardly. Right? Like, if you, if you give us, if he gives us the okay, we'll swear loyalty to you. Uh, their rival, the secretary, mm-hmm. doesn't really communicate all this very well between uh. everybody. Yeah. Was he like, dude, they totally told you to go fuck off. (laughs) They did not get, remember, the deadline, January 1st, 1692. They did not get the okay from James until December 28th. That's not enough time to get from Upper Scotland to London. Yeah, well, they they didn't need to get all the way to London. They only had to get to another town in Scotland to have it delivered to the secretary because they're not unreasonable, William is But the secretary probably would have been like, yeah, nope. So... Didn't leave a whole lot of time. Uh, clan MacDonald's oath did not arrive. They got. They also got held up in the secretary's town. Like his clan yeah. was like, oh hey, you had to come here. Oh, you didn't hear. You got to go over there, man. Yeah, he's across the street. We yeah. swear. But they, but they held him up for like three days or some shit. Ugh. So Clan MacDonald's oath didn't arrive until several days after January first. He should have let them like chill on that one. This is a couple right. days late. Right. The oath was rejected. It was all bad. Now, that's bullshit. There, there were no consequences though. They were just like oath rejected. Didn't think anything about it. Mm-hmm. Some weeks later, it's winter, uh, winter in Scotland because winter is coming. Yes. Um, 120 men, uh, approximately. That was the number varied based on the article that I read. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 120 soldiers under the command of a, a man named Robert Campbell, 
who was a member of a different clan, but not one. There was, like, no sign of hostility. They approached in this blizzard seeking shelter because they didn't want to fucking die in the snow. Well, yeah. Which is Nobody reasonable. Nobody does. Nobody and does. And Clan McDonald were like, yeah, bro, dying in the snow fucking sucks. Come on in. Yeah. Party it up. Let's so do this. So the, the blizzard hit, and it hit hard. Uh-huh. So they ended up staying there for a couple of weeks, waiting for the weather clear to allow them to move out. Until... On the night of February 2nd, 1692, mm-hmm. Campbell's men received orders in the night. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, what? bum. To kill everybody that gave them shelter. Why? Yeah. That's a dick move. Right? So nah. the estimates uh, that I saw, well, not estimates, the confirmation of estimates uh, go from 25 to 38, depending on who you consider a clan member. Mm-hmm. But they killed all of it. But there's also a shit ton of people that escaped into the hills and then died in the blizzard. What a bunch of dicks. They yeah. took you in. Why you got to be yeah. like that? And that's why uh, it inspired Game of Thrones, the Red Wedding, because the Starks were welcomed in by yeah. House Frey and then murdered. But it's kind of the opposite of that. It's the, it's the opposite. Stop, stop jerking it. <laughs> <laughs> I was making a stabbing motion. I wasn't jerking anything. Uh-huh, sure. So, yeah, so that that is my historical event. The two events that inspired Game of Thrones' Red Wedding. I feel like it would have made more sense if the McDonald's, like, killed the Campbells because well, they were, like, bad in, house guests. Inspired by, not yeah. direct reproductions of. I mean, this just uh, teaches you a lesson. Never let your house guests answer any phone calls or take any messages. Right? <laughs> and bread and salt, astonishingly, not going to protect you from a knife to the throat. Yeah, so... um. Just be careful of house guests. So this is our spoilerific uh, discussion of... spoil anything. We spoiled everything. Everything. That's all right. The ending is preserved for the friends of ours that did not see the ending yet. Some people don't care about it. I mean, so they're going to find this episode real boring. This is, uh, this is how I put it. I, uh, I immediately ordered and have already begun reading the books, and I am completely jettisoning the show from my nerd memory banks. Again, it wasn't all bad, and no, it wasn't all bad, but enough of it was terrible that I'm I'm left disappointed. I hear the to books the point are I... different enough from the show, though, that it you can just put them in their own little worlds. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably what I'll end up doing. But like, but I I want uh, I hate to say I want to read those books. I don't do well with fantasy novels. I couldn't finish Lord of the Rings. I could get like a chapter in, and then I'm like, nope, <laughs> it's boring. Anyway, so so see. yeah, so listen to us everywhere: Spotify, uh, iTunes, Apple, whatever Stitcher is. Away. Oh yeah, Stitcher's a thing. Yeah, it's apparently fairly high on the mediums from which we're listened. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, I think I used Stitcher briefly in the '90s. No, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, used SoundCloud. I used SoundCloud for a bit. I don't know if we're on that. I don't think we are. Oh, well, then don't use SoundCloud. And then uh, Spotify but, for the win. Yeah, yeah, Spotify. Follow us iTunes, uh, no, no. No, follow us thing. on Instagram. Instagram and uh, Twitter. I guess I'll post on Instagram something today. Okay. Figure it out. Uh, yeah, and then uh, when you tell your friends about Lax Historical Context. Tell them we said something interesting. <laughs>